Hey there, boys and girls. It's Ralph Garman, and you're listening to Talking Cod Swallop. Good choice. Hello, everybody. This is Ming Chen from AMC's Comic Book Man. You might know me from the Tell Him Steve Day podcast and the I Sell Comics podcast. Listen, I love podcasting. I love talking, but what I really love doing is talking cod swallow. Hey, I'm Alicia Witt. I'm Daniel Portman from Game of Thrones. I play Podrick Payne. I'm Ellipses, and you're listening to the talking... Okay, I'm Mark Bernard, and you're listening to the Talking Cod Swallop podcast. Hey, man, it's Kevin Smith, Silent Bob, whose voice you were never used to hearing in the 90s until I started opening it up, man. And that's because I'm a podcaster, and you're listening to a podcast, Talking Cod Swallop, right here, man. This week's Talking Codswallop. I am Gemma. I'm James. And no Andy this week, but we have got a wonderful, amazing replacement. She first appeared on episode two. So returning guest is Lucy. Yay! What an intro. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and I should say, also friend outside of podcasting and internet world. <laughs> We've actually met in real life. Woohoo! <laughs> Yay! And we tolerate each other. Woo! <laughs> We've been on holiday together twice. Yes, we have. And uh, shared, well, I was going to say shared numerous rooms, but... <laughs> I was going to say a shared a bed. Well, we have. Have, but not in any uh, dense. Yeah. <laughs> I was really on the edge of my seat for a few minutes. So you ruined it for me. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> no, we're not going to keep going. We don't want you on the edge of your seat. <laughs> Oh dear. Well, welcome to the show, or back to the show, Lucy. Thank you for being here today. Yes, thank you for joining us. Ah, uh, you're welcome. Well, I, I guess you're welcome at the moment. <laughs> you don't mess up. This is why I'm getting you to record my audio because yeah, I, I, before we started recording, I didn't even know if my computer had a microphone. So <laughs> that's how technologically minded yeah. I am. <laughs> don't worry, I'm really not either. So yeah. I think it's safe to say that we're all pretty much in the same boat there. <laughs> Incompetent when it comes to uh, <laughs> laptops and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. It's a good job Andy's not here, really, because yeah. he'd be mocking us right now, yeah. wouldn't he? So He'd be berating us. Yeah. <laughs> but he does send his love. And he did say that, Lucy, if you come back on the show and he's there, then um, expect to be picked on about certain football teams and rugby teams and stuff. So I'm sure that encourages you to come back on the show. <laughs> Sorry, Jem, never again. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, one of the reasons that we're here, is, well, the main reason that we're all here is because we all attended London Film and Comic Con last weekend, mm -hmm. which was lots of fun. It was. And, um, but before we get into that, because obviously we have our What a Load of Cod Swallop. Has anyone got any Codswallop this week before we jump into the fun times of Comic-Con? No, I've been pretty, it's been pretty good so far. No issues. Okay. I could be really British and say the weather. Oh, well. This time last week was like the hottest day on earth. Yeah. And on the way back from work today, I got absolutely drenched because there's some sort of monsoon outside. Mm. So. I know. 
it was insane today. It like literally it was like sunny at one point and then it was almost like somebody mm. turned the shower on. Yeah. I had uh, up here it's still raining. Oh, okay. Hasn't stopped since lunchtime. Uh, and what's, what's really nice is outside my work it just formed a giant puddle which the buses drive through, so Oh lovely. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so you got a little drowned rat then i did yes yes oh i hope your cat didn't think you were a drowned rat because otherwise he might try and attack you uh no <laughs> he just has his usual unimpressed look on his <laughs> <laughs> oh that's all right then well i've got some cosplop as well this week Ooh, which is on. kind of related to the weekend but not related to the comic-con so Lucy knows mine kind of already, but I'll remind her. What did you do, Lucy? <laughs> Lucy, what did you do? Oh, no, no, no. Lucy didn't do anything. No, I did have a little moan, at, uh, moan about it. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't Mr. Wheels, which uh, I may save his story for another time. But um, <laughs> <laughs> So basically, mine is an app called Just Park, which I use on a regular basis. And it is fantastic, to be completely honest, because you can park on people's driveways and it is dirt cheap. And it's perfect, like, if you're going to an airport or anything like that. This is not a commercial for it, but, you know... they'd like to sponsor us they'd be more welcome to. Yes, absolutely. Although they are my cod's wallet this week. Oh. <laughs> mm, that might not work so well. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Think about this one, Jim. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm still going to do it because the reason why they are my consort this week, even though I gave them a high review a second ago, is because <laughs> for this weekend just gone, I booked a parking space, and then within five to ten minutes, I cancelled that booking because I'd spoken to a friend and realised that I could get somewhere cheaper. But in the space of the five to ten minutes that I actually booked and cancelled, they when they refunded, they only mm. refunded half of the price, which meant that instead of getting the full £20, which I know is only £20, mm. but they gave me £10 something back, mm. which... I can fully understand if it was just like if it was a day later and I cancelled it, but because of the short space of time that I cancelled it, I'm mm. really disappointed. And I've tried getting in touch with them about it and they haven't responded. So I'm a little bit pissed off with them, <laughs> to be honest. So is that a penalty if you cancel? I think it must be, yes. Um, but I didn't know that. And it was right. probably written in the small print and all that, but still, it is something that really, really annoyed me. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a strain when it's like five minutes after you booked it, you found somewhere cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think there should be sort of a cut-off point, you know, like, mm -hmm. even if it was like, like I said, a day later, fully understand. To be fair, that is an incredibly short window of time, though, because in a lot of things, they say that you'll have like 48 hours. You've got to make a cancellation, say, within... 48 hours or a certain amount of time after it you know they give you a window don't they to do yeah you get like a cooling off period yeah. don't you for like online selling yeah yeah exactly so yes i'm not overly pleased so what are the what the company called again just park come on you bastards at just park <laughs> be nice wait for that fee it's five minutes give her that extra 10 quid because if you give her that 10 quid she'll probably rebook with you in the future she certainly will <laughs> and then she can uh, 
you know, get sponsored and then advertise mm. and just park. Yeah. <laughs> Which exactly. probably won't be bastards. So. And then next time I park, you can pay me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, Jim, would you be willing to have their name put on the side of your car? Uh, no. Damn. <laughs> Corporate sponsorship, you see. Um, I probably have talking cards will have written on my car, but uh, maybe not written on. <laughs> but like, <yeah. laughs> with a pen, with a sharpie, <laughs> car key. Yeah. <laughs> talking fucking gods, <laughs> Maybe that's a promotional way that we could do. We could go around and key people's cars. <laughs> what do you reckon? Think- <laughs> I'm not sure that's going to work. Yeah, I don't think legally that would be a very easy one to defend. <laughs> well, fine, whatever. Okay, guess what? We won't do that. <laughs> While chatting with Andy earlier, mm-hmm. I did get some codswallop out of him. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, R. Eeyore had to announce, even though he can't be here today, he had to announce some codswallop. So his is... People who don't understand gallows humour, which I had to ask him what that was, okay, yeah. in the workplace and take things too seriously, especially in situ- as stressful situations. <laughs> this is how good I read normally. <laughs> so basically what happened was is that he, he made a joke in the office, but everyone was really stressed and it didn't go down very well. So, <laughs> so, yeah. so he's offended his work colleagues, basically. <laughs> he's pissed off because he's upset people. Fair enough. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> yeah, he's managed to turn that around to make it their fault. <laughs> I know. I can't really understand this one, but I'll, I'm open to hear it. <laughs> well, no, basically what happened, he he'd said that um, he made a joke of the fact that Oh, this place, you know, like, well, because I work in customer service, I said to him that normally I would jokingly say this place would be amazing without the customers. Mm. Or this job would be easy without the customers, you know, kind of thing. But because he works in a different department, he said that about customer service, but he also said it about the customer service department. Mm -hmm. It didn't go down very well. And uh, so, yes, because they've got no humour about it, they are on the naughty list. (laughs) And when this episode airs, he'll be dragged into HR for a very scared conversation. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think he's let anybody at his work know that um, he actually is on a podcast, so I think he'll probably be all right. (laughs) And he also sent me across his mate's codswallop as well, which is Matt... Um, who's Hi, Matt. Yeah, Matt Cotterall, uh, 77 on Twitter. His is podcast where the intro and outro plays over the hosts talking for more than five seconds. So. It's a very specific I personally can't. A five second window, though. I suppose the ramble does, but I don't know if Lucy listens to them, but. Yeah, it, they basically it's like, um, so podcasts that, you know, they're gonna start speaking, you know, when the intro music is just faded in the background. So, yeah. Gemma, who did you think did that? The Ramble, does it? Who? The Ramble podcast. Who? Oh, right. Okay. I get it. <laughs> Don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that podcast that you, uh, haven't listened to yet, but I think you probably have listened a little bit to. Yeah. Just to irritate Matt this episode. <laughs> 
I'm going to fade in the intro music. Yes. <laughs> and then you'll never, he'll never listen again. Oh, he will. <laughs> He's not going to betray us. <laughs> for Matt, no, no, no. For Matt, it's aversion therapy. We're just helping him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yes. Yeah, so for you, Matt, five seconds ago or how, or 13 minutes ago, that little intro music. That was for you. <laughs> <laughs> and they've both got a disagreement. Sorry, they've both got cods wallop of the fact that cyclists, enough said. Oh, yeah. yeah. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're I agree going. both as a driver and as a pedestrian because um, on my way to work, I normally walk to work and they open this brand new cycle path mm. and it's just so treacherous for uh, pedestrians now. It gets them off the road. But it then puts them in the way of the pedestrian. Yeah. The other real annoyance for me, actually, similar to the uh, cyclists, is caravans. I, yeah. I absolutely hate, I hate them in general. They just create too much traffic problems for me as a driver because they're just so slow. Same with cyclists. But at least if they're on motorways, you can overtake them because there are other lanes that you can overtake mm. them because they're not normally in the fast lane. Unless they're overtaking each other. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> But what I was thinking was, is when they're on country lanes, that yeah. is awful. Yeah, that is terrible. So, um, yeah, and going back to the cyclists, like, as a driver, they can be a bit of a pain in the backside. You know, I, I get that they have to swerve around, like, potholes and things like that, but it's almost like, then I've got to really swerve around you. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the ones that don't wear helmets as well, I think... I think it's very stupid of them to not wear a helmet. Well, to quote Top Gear, my view of cyclists is this, righteousness will not save you. <laughs> that is true. It's very true. <laughs> so that's all the Codswallop done for this week. And thank you for listening to this week's Talking Codswallop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was all the Codswallop. But uh, does everyone feel better? Yeah, it's it's not it's not as angry as normal without Andy here. No, it isn't. It's <laughs> it's Hello, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we've also managed to get six Codswallops done in 15 minutes. <laughs> Without Andy, yeah. <laughs> no, we do, no, this is not a dig against you, Andy, but normally it's like twenty minutes alone on your codswallop. So. <laughs> yeah, although some sometimes it does bring up very interesting conversations, yes. so yes. that's why, yeah, I quite enjoy it. Which you then edit out? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> some I do. Some are a little bit too risky. <laughs> mm. Those are going to be when we go on Patreon. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Those paid for special episodes. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have a Talking Codswallop after hours. Yeah. So that, you know, yeah, you hear all the dodgy, this dodgy Codswallop that we say. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get on to London Film and Comic Con. Yes. So how was everybody's experience? Start with you, Lucy. How was your experience of the Comic Con? My third time going to London Comic Con. Um, and on this occasion i hadn't booked any uh photos or talks anything and i actually really enjoyed that because it meant we could just kind of go around and see what we want to see and just take it easy really mm-hmm. uh, and also going on the sunday which was very quiet compared to when i've been before on a saturday um that was really nice because it meant you, you weren't just you know sea of bodies everywhere yeah 
because yeah, me and James went on the Saturday, and then Lucy joined me mm-hmm. on the Sunday, didn't you? So yeah, um, and yeah, it was a definite difference. I knew there was going to be anyway, but there was a definite yeah. difference between the crowds and stuff on the Sunday. Oh, and it wasn't as hot on the Sunday. Mm-hmm. Much hotter on the Saturday. So. And that's that's never good. And was there was there anybody in particular you wanted? Because you said that you hadn't booked anybody, Lucy. Yeah. Was there anybody in particular you'd wanted to see that? Oh, you know, that sort of really drew you to the event. Not particularly. There was nobody uh, me. on the guest list that I would have paid money to meet. I'll try again for you, Gemma. Uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to save you there, Lucy. Lucy, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but uh, me. Yeah. Oh, you! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only te- teasing. <laughs> I have to go to a Comic Con to see you, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was that was the icing on the cake, though. And obviously, meeting James, seeing James for the second time as well in history. Mm-hmm. In history, <laughs> in historical moment. So you were saying that there was no one in particular that you really saw like you would. You were really sort of paid off focus to see. So it's more about actually the experience of going to the event then. Yeah, it's just like I like seeing all the stalls and just kind of, yeah, meeting people like Gemma. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that that's more the draw to me than the celebrity guests. I mean, you know, if there were celebrities that I really like, then yes, potentially I'd have booked them, but there were just none. I said, actually, no, the only ones that I would have potentially wanting to see with the two guys in the in-betweeners yeah. but then having thought about it I then thought well there's only two of them if it had been all four mm. of them then that would have been a really cool photo but mm. it was only two of them so it's kind of like mm, I can save my money and not do that yeah exactly and I was gutted to find out because I, I didn't realise that they were there just for the Saturday so when we went on the Sunday, I was expecting them to still be there because I hadn't checked. And yeah, I was gutted. I was like, oh no, there mm. they were yesterday. It's all, it's different people. Oh no. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had massive queues on the Saturday. So mm. widgets good. Well, that's the thing. They probably would have been really busy on the Sunday anyway. So you probably wouldn't have been able to speak to mm. them. So yeah. At least that's a small consolation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But on the Sunday, I did manage to be. Oh, I've I've been telling everybody at work this. I <laughs> I literally was about a hair a hair on my arm away from Jason Momoa at one point, and uh, and Lucy was only probably about two feet away from me, and I'm going, Lucy, <laughs> Lucy, 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 <laughs> really shouting. I was filming stuff and i'm stood there filming thinking jam can you just shut up because you're gonna like get i'm gonna get all this audio on my filming that's why i didn't turn around (laughs) yeah and i'm thinking to myself this is actually something that you wouldn't mind filming (laughs) this is pretty cool (laughs) rather like nice scenic panoramas of like the show the show floor yeah oh well (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah so then yeah then i come up and stand next to you and i'm like so you just missed jason momoa <laughs> <laughs> oh but that was the highlight of the day and when we actually found out where his little cubicle was that was that was quite fun i i had actually heard about all this from jason momoa something about a restraining order which ties yeah. in perfectly to you following the poor man's little cubicle 
<laughs> so these two English women kept following me around and wouldn't leave me alone. <laughs> well, I think it was me actually, but yeah. <laughs> well, no, yes, it was now banned from all future Showmasters events. <laughs> <laughs> Showmasters, if you're listening, please don't ban me. I really like uh, representing yeah. your uh, your show. <laughs> We've got many more booked. Um, yeah, so yeah, that was kind of like the highlight, pretty much the highlight of my weekend really being that close to him um and restraining yourself by not touching him yeah i thought i was very good actually i did say hello to him and he then said hello back so nice. I was like, that's oh, good that's amazing and that was enough did he have a lot of money 85 quid to meet him when you can have that for free mm. exactly exactly and he was I know that I'm tall, but he was shorter than I thought he was going to be. I thought you were going to say he was shorter than you. No, he wasn't. <laughs> no, he was a little bit taller than me, but then I've I've looked it up since and he's six foot two. So he would only be like a little bit taller than me. Short um, ass. And James, he would have been shorter than you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Short ass. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice when me and you were walking around. Well, when I found you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there was a bit of a, a locating location incident on Saturday where you couldn't find each other or something. Yeah, basically, we need to put a tracker chip in me somewhere. So I could just be hunted, so I can be found. It was funny though because when we were on the first floor and um, when we were walking around. Um, well, not when we were walking around, but I was sort of walking around, kind of like keeping an eye out for you, but mm-hmm. also looking at what I was looking at. And I'd see you, but from the opposite opposite side, you know, where you had to walk around. And by yes. the time that I got through the crowd, you'd then like disappear again. And I was like, for God's sake, he's got the Scarlet Pimpernel. <laughs> Imagine if like a giant version of Pac-Man. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And then I said, I said to Lucy as well, I said, in all the time that I've known James, I've never called him so much in all my life. I think mm. I called you that day 11 times. <laughs> <laughs> and I only picked the thought up about three, well, I think I picked up about twice. The thing is that I put it in my bag and was just walking around. So. Mm. And he didn't have mobile reception at one point either. Oh, no, but was, anyway, yeah. that's, that's. I one small criticism of Olympia, there's never any decent reception either phone or data it's always a bit of a nightmare yeah yeah the wi-fi was incredibly weak wasn't it mm. so although it's not as bad as because i'm with o2 i'm not sure which network you're with but the worst reception that i've ever had was actually at the o2 in london and i was like <laughs> really <laughs> yeah <laughs> you'd think that that would be kind of the strongest wouldn't you but so I've just kind of gone into, uh, I've kind of taken mm. over and I'm talking about my highlights now. At least, right. do you have anything else? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut. Uh, so oh, uh, the Lego, the Lego display was a highlight. Yes. Which Lego display did, was it? The one me and you looked at. Oh, the one, the Star Wars one and the cars and things, yeah. Yeah. And I actually spoke to one guy who was actually, he made some of the cars and he'd actually sort of made and designed them himself. Yeah, it was like a DeLorean, uh, the Ghostbusters, Ecto-1, and is that Batmobile, I think he'd done was, as well. Was Kit there? Was Kit, Kit one of them? It was yeah. Kit, yeah. It wasn't uh, until, because I was thinking Batmobile too, but it wasn't until uh, yeah, I said cool. Kit that, yeah. 
yeah, because he said, oh, you look too young to know this one. And I, I just took it. I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, what is this? <laughs> Ghostbusters? What? <laughs> no, kits, not Ghostbusters. Oh, right. Well, yeah. so he could have done it. Ghostbusters? What? Who? Yeah. <laughs> no, I said that the reason I came over was because of the DeLorean. And yeah, he actually, because like, like I said, I got an interview with him. So I'll put that in roundabout now. But um yeah, he actually did say that it takes him like a year to create the cars. Wow. It's probably all the designing because they're not, um, they're, obviously he designs the build himself. So I imagine that's the bit that takes a lot of time. So I think like proper Lego enthusiasts have software that they can design these things on and yeah. then get all the pieces they need to build them. So I can imagine that is a lot of, a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. He did say, um, you know, it does take a lot of work. He said, you know, you end up putting one piece on and then you sort of realise that that's not in the right place and you have to take it off again, you know. <laughs> you might have to put, like, another 50 pieces on top, you know, so... I find it frustrating enough to build, like, Lego sets, you know, the ones you buy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let alone something that you've actually made up yourself. Yeah, exactly. But it is fascinating what they can do with it, isn't it? Yeah, I wonder if we got Bob Gale to... Uh, if he had to show his model to Bob Gale. They do the DeLorean. That would probably uh-huh. be quite an interest. Or to get it signed, even. They may have done. Yeah, I mean, because it depends, obviously, if Bob Gale... Oh, I suppose they could have taken it to him, yeah, wouldn't yeah. they? But, uh, yeah, they may have done. Um, it makes sense to do that, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, and we saw our friend Gary from International Ridicule as well. He actually said to us that he was um, gutted because he nearly did an in-betweeners board because he does custom boards, basically. And he's going to be a guest on the show at some point. So, um, yeah, obviously, he'll talk about it a little bit more. But, yeah, he was going to do an in-betweeners one and he didn't have enough time to finish it off. But then he said that, like, on the Saturday, Blake Harrison was walking through and he was sort of looking at all the stools and stuff and he'd, like, just glanced at Gary's table. But if he had have had the in-betweeners thing there, he could have, like, got mm. it signed by him and he probably yeah, would have got cool. his attention. Yeah. So he was a little bit bummed that he didn't finish that, but, you know, these things happen. It was a very much a real uh, interesting experience finding that stall, wasn't it, Gemma? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it took us a good two hours to find that story. Yes. Oh my god! Because I was like, oh no, it's just right in the middle of the main hall. Like <laughs> thinking yeah. it'd be really easy to find. And he mm. said, oh, no, we've been around like several times. We can't find it. Yeah, I'd literally been up and down every, you know, because I think it's when you're specifically trying to find something at a comic con, especially when it's as big as that one is. I think, you know, it's kind of like trying to find a needle in a haystack, isn't it? And on the Saturday as well, which would have been so much busier for you guys then. Yeah. I guess yeah. it would. As I said to you on the day, Gemma, we were basically having the uh, Kevin Costa waterfall moment, weren't we? You know, dry land <laughs> is not a myth. I want to find this damn stall going round and round. And I kept saying to you, are you sure it's here? Does this thing exist? <laughs> it does, it does, James. I promise it does. And, you, and then James is like, I really want to meet this person. Yeah. I want to go upstairs for a bit, but I really want to meet this person. <laughs> <laughs> to just prove he's real and Gemma yes. has just made up the yeah. fact that she knows someone with a stool. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, he does exist. He's a real boy. He does. He does. We him. have met him several times. Yes. 
<laughs> and he's an ant as well, which is always fantastic for us. Yes. What was it he said to us, Lucy? It was, um, oh, lovely ladies, lovely ants or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's like lovely, lovely ants. It's like, less of the ants, please. Lovely ladies. <laughs> <more than acceptable>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now context, ants is, makes you sound a bit queer. weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very weird. <laughs> And I, because I haven't listened back yet, but I'm trying to think of all the like interviews that I did. But there was a guy that I got an interview with that he's, he said that he's going to become a listener. So fingers crossed he has, he is. He basically made loads of like sculptures and out of clay and loads of masks and things like that. And he was actually making one on the day as well. And he was, he was pretty cool. And it was like, you know, one of those moments where you just sort of walk past a stool or towards mm. a stool sort of thing and you just think i really have to stop because mm. this is eye-catching and yeah yeah his stuff was amazing work so um yeah i think that was that was a really good <laughs> sorry what was, that? <laughs> what was that all about that was that was my brain just drifting off a minute ago <laughs> So we caught you mid-snow then? Yeah. No, no, it's because I just, I basically just went, yeah, his stuff was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So his stuff was really good. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I just laughed at myself and snorted. (laughs) (laughs) That's one thing I do like about um, Comic-Con, more than the celebrities, is those independent stall holders Mm, who have, like, you know, their own artwork and stuff. Yeah. It is amazing to see, isn't it? Yeah, it's just so much talent. It's just like, oh my God, I could never do anything like that. No. And, yeah, and I saw, you know, quite a few, like there was comic books and or comic book artists, wasn't there? Yeah. There were loads of them. Yeah, there really was. It was amazing. And I'm not a comic book reader personally, only because I'm a collector, so I know what I'm like, so I try not to get <laughs> into this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but there are a couple of things that I will be purchasing um, as from tomorrow when I get paid. Excellent. Yes, because there was there was um, a guy who did a he was Deadpool on the toilet, and I was like, I have to have that. <laughs> <laughs> It was amazing. And, um, but also there was this, uh, there was this comic book that was based on an old granny. And he, ba- it, yeah, basically it was like, he said, not all superheroes are, uh. I think what you're looking for is, uh, not all superheroes wear capes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> so not all superheroes wear capes, but yeah, so this one is actually a granny. And it was really funny. It looks really amazing. So, and the final one that really caught my eye was the, it was called Dark Lines of London. And this one really struck me because this guy had actually found loads of like ley lines in London. Right. Yeah. And, and then sort of he was writing all, he was writing all about it basically. And, and so like in real life he found them. Is it supernatural horror stuff or? Yeah, with a bit of mystery. Right. It sort of does in. sound good. Yeah. It is. And it was like the artwork was really good as well. It was kind of like on the dark side for the artwork, but in keeping with the, the feel of the book, if you know what I mean. So yeah, I think that, yeah, they. You've got, you've got a few things to, uh, Mm. Yeah, okay, just... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So no wages this month. <laughs> Sorry, Jiggy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll still see about that. <laughs> but yeah, so I managed to get interviews with those two people as well. 
So at some point I'll put them into the episode as well. So, but yeah, it was lots of fun. Hot, but lots of fun. Right, so James, what did it, what were your highlights? Well, my main memory of it is being very, very hot and very, very lost. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really enjoyed it. Um, it was very, very funny because uh, when I first got there, I tried to explain to the staff that I was there as press, and they still told me I had to join the what would probably be about a three-hour queue to get into the building. However, I was saved by a uh, telephone conversation with Gemma, who said, no, no, uh, you've, you've got to go into this area or you can get directly in. Well, the staff still sent me to the wrong place, which is, you know, I understand they're just trying to be helpful. But I finally got in with no problems at all. Um, and then obviously met up with you, didn't I, Gemma? And we, yeah. we went, we went and had a look round together. This is for the periods where we could actually find each other and not get completely <laughs> lost. Um, there were good times. So you lost each other. <laughs> well, was, we, yeah. well, actually, that's quite funny that you ask, Lucy, because <laughs> I, I was literally about 10 minutes behind James. So James waited in the sort of lobby area, yes. sort of reception area kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. I got my pass, checked that your name was on the on the board for, you know, to, yeah, for the following day. So yeah. I knew it was all good and everything. Um, so, yeah, me and James, we were waiting and there was a lift. So we were waiting for a lift. And uh, so I it's get in true. the lift, uh, lift and then James is like, I just found the stairs. And he's like, off. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so James is, <laughs> James is walking down the stairs. Mm. I have no idea where the stairs come out. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I'm just sort of stood around for ages going, where is he? <laughs> so within two minutes of seeing each other, James had wandered off. <laughs> See, I'm glad you reminded me of this because there's actually a story to do with that, which is the fact that the layout of the uh, for each level of the stairs of where they go to is so appallingly bad that I ended up going up to some other event, wasn't there, being run in the building? Um, there was like a young adult literature thing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I actually went to that. They said, "Nope, nope, it's down there." So anyway, I, I, I then found the cred doors, went in. Uh, I did wonder why it took you so long. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to crash the literature festival. <laughs> <laughs> was it <that> any good? <laughs> no, I only gave it a minute of my time. No, um, but yeah, obviously we we did. For, we had like the three wonderful instances where we weren't completely lost and actually found each other. Um, but to be fair, it's an event. I did, for the first time for me, I actually went with no real plan. Well, apart from, say, Birmingham, no real plan of um, actually seeing people. So I sort of did basically what, what you did, Lucy, which was just sort of see what happened. Yeah. Um, it was a great, I think, there's been a few people that I've spoke to online who have been a bit naked about it, but I think for the sheer number of people at it, it was very well run. Um, yeah. You're always going to get the negative yeah. people, though, unfortunately, aren't you? Yeah. I think it works really well having, like, the whole autograph area completely separate from, yes. like, school holders and whatnot. Because, like, at Birmingham, I mean, I know Birmingham's much smaller yes. and not as well attended, but everything's all in one room. Yes, it is, yeah. yeah. So if you get a massive line for somebody, it can impact, like, the flow of people. So in that respect, it's, it is much better having a bigger venue and much better laid out yeah definitely the the question of the heat was kind of funny because um i walked into one of the main rooms and 
I don't know who the lady was. She was one of the wrestlers who was there, and she was sort of dying from the heat. Or, and, I, he, and she'd only been sat down for a few minutes. And I went and said to her, I'm glad to see I'm not the only person who's hot. And it was, yeah, it was a real thing where it was sort of taking your breath away when you walked in. Yeah. I managed to, I mean, I think I did pretty well. I managed to find, you know, Gemma was very long-suffering with me on this one, where I was hunting down Simon Firm and Jeff Senior, who were comic book writer and artist. Yeah. Um and I interviewed them and the interview can go up, you know, at some point. Um, talking to them about stuff and I knew their work from being a child. They did like the Transformers comics and they've now got a completely new comic they've published themselves, but they were just really nice, lovely people. Yeah. Uh, who gave me a lot of time to talk to me about things. And on the same vein, there was somebody there from the Jack Kirby Museum. Oh, I saw that stall, yeah. Uh, yeah, they, I did they, too. They were really cool and very, very talkative, but, Again, the thing that I love at these sort of events is just the sheer number of brilliant costumes uh, that you see people in and the effort they've put in. Um, and that was sort of like a really good thing to see. I mean, I love the fact, completely standing out, because there was nobody else who did this at all, people who dressed up as characters from Pulp Fiction, which to me was just great, because it's quite, it was quite a simple costume, but again, it really sort of stood out uh, against other, against everything else that was being done there. Uh, one of the things I was really pleasantly surprised that I managed to do was actually meet Charlie Sheen, which I totally didn't think would happen. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. There was just, I'm just wandering through, you know, Gemma and I got lost from each other again, so I don't know where <laughs> Gemma was at that point. She was probably downstairs hobnobbing with the stall holders. And I just <laughs> walked up to this uh, to this thing where the, this guy was shouting, going like, you know, blast. So if you want to get Charlie Sheen last uh you know, please come to this queue. And I said, do I have to Do I have, to have a ticket for this? Because it was pretty, you know, low numbers. He went, no, if you want to go in, just pay and go in. Boom, went in, chat to uh, Charlie Sheen. Uh, tried to, you know, we discussed the fact that, you know, would two and a half men have come back? And he said, you know, as long as everybody's still alive, there's a chance. He signed a picture <laughs> for me. He agreed it was disgustingly hot in there, but he was surviving and okay. And yeah. Very good, straightening out very quick, no issues. Very impressed by that. Was he in the cubicle the whole time? No. And I'm, well, uh, there was like a table outside where there was a woman, yeah, one of the handlers out there. Mm. But then there was like a cubicle behind. Yeah, that's which, where, yeah. Yeah, I assume he was in there. He might have been in there all the time, actually, not on the floor. I think that's like Jason Momoa. I think they had the same cubicle for autographs and photos. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense because it makes things just a bit simpler for them. Yeah. Because, yeah, because I think, if I think about it, I never saw Martin Sheen anywhere. Um, I know that when I. He had a cubicle thing as well. I know that when I walked in, they must have. I'm assuming, I'm going to take a guess, I could be wrong, but when we we first went in, Gemma, there was like a huge um, cheer for somebody going into the the main area, which I think was probably like, you know, Jenna Coleman or somebody, because there was a whole line-up of people on that wall, which is where I think William Shatner was as well. I don't think they gave him a cubicle, because I was around when William Shatner came in, and we were just being asked to sort of give him space to go through, and that's before I saw Charlie Sheen. So you got a huge plethora of people all over the show. And I, that's the only thing, I mean, I understand why they did it, but it threw me a little trying to locate where some people were. Yeah, well, it's like I, I didn't find Jason Momoa until it was kind of like a fluke that we found him, wasn't it, Lucy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like quite hidden away, that his kid's cubicle. And that's kind of, I wonder how, because I know there's a lot of people who book, you know, multiple photos or stuff, yeah. and they have quite a tight schedule. And if you're trying to 
run around trying to work out where people are. That must be quite stressful. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I had the same sort of thing you, you both said about the thing of sort of just, you know, falling upon the person, so to speak, and just, you know, wandering past where they are because it was the same thing when, for, this is the, the, one of the few times where Gemma and I actually were not lost from each other. Um, yeah. It's when we were, we were talking about where Bob Gale was. Um, yeah, he was quite out of the way, wasn't yeah. he? I was surprised that he was yeah. kind of round the corner with like some of the more, less popular. Actually, no, he was near, um, I think, Tara Fitzgerald. So they were kind of wrestlers, middle popularity. Yeah. yeah, but it was definitely weird that he was, because it's kind of the lesser knowns yeah. out there, isn't it? But he is quite a well-known. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. When I went part, it was after you'd gone, Gemma, on the Sunday, yeah. Um, when I was doing another little walk around and there was like nobody at his table prize because when we'd been past earlier in the day it'd been obviously been quite a long line for him mm. well for Bob Gale and I've got to say I was incredibly lucky because I got there when um, he was he wasn't there and there was still a queue because so I was thinking oh great this is going to be uh, difficult and then I I got chatting to two people in the queue and we worked out there was, he wasn't going to be around for a bit and then I came back and I thought, okay, maybe I've got a shot of, get, of having a chat with him and getting something signed. And um, unfortunately, I was told that it, there was no chance he was going to go to do a talk and he was going on his lunch. And I was like, well, when's he coming back? And the girl said, I'll just check this out. Like, she said, sorry, I can't tell you, but it could be three hours. And mm. that was not going to help. <laughs> to be fair, they obviously looked at, well, I'm assuming, Bob or his handler looked at the queue and decided to be very nice and led us through. Um, and I was lucky enough to get his autograph on my uh, limited back future box set. That's so good. Nice. Sure. And I tried to get an interview with him. I really did. But he unfortunately said because the queue was sort of always busy, he couldn't do it. So, yeah. But I tried. I tried. Yeah. Well, at least you tried. But the thing is, as well, is that, okay, you might not get an interview, but you did You did have a conversation mm. with him and you have that that memory of it, which might not last that long going yeah. by last oh, week's episode. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> the, the only problem I really have, though, is that on the wall, it said no, no posed pictures. And I told that to me, no pictures at all. However, speaking to people I know who've been at the event, it turns out I could have had my picture with me if I just asked. But anyway, <laughs> damn. Oh, because I thought that that was the case as well, what you said. So yeah. I thought it was the case that, you know, they don't like selfies and stuff like that. Mm. But No, I think it's that they'll do selfies, but I don't think they'll either do, you take a photo of them on their own or they'll yeah. stand up and that kind of thing. I think it's more that if it's a quick selfie, it's okay. Yeah. But if it's a proper, like, like a photo you would pay to have a, in the you yeah, know, yeah. backdrop thing, that kind of thing, they'll say no, because obviously you'd have to pay for that separately. Yeah. Okay, well, that makes sense, doesn't it? But hmm, good to know for future. I have to give props to my wonderful uh, colleague who took a brilliant photograph of me and Sam and Furman and Jeff Senior. So that's <laughs> I don't know what, she, what he means by colleague. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> boss, the boss. All right, let's get it right. Yeah, I know. My boss no. took a wonderful picture. <laughs> you Don't can, hit me. You can you can call me your friend, James. It's okay. <laughs> friend, boss, colleague, you know. <laughs> That's um, stalker. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. No, I'm, not, I'm not his stalker. She, she, <laughs> you just spend most of the time stalking him, trying to find out where he's gone. If she's a stalker, she's a crap stalker because she doesn't know where I am 95% of the time. <laughs> 
the, the greatest experience is when Gemma <coughs> sent me a text saying, I'm outside, let's go and get something to eat. And I couldn't even find the sodding exit, because I went to what was listed as an exit, turns out they closed it all down, and it was listed uh-huh. as just an emergency exit. So I'm like, how the hell did they get out of this place? <laughs> and then I gave you the instruction of head towards the EM, EMC or EMP or something like that, which is, a, you know, it was the biggest uh, landmark in there. And I said, head towards there, yeah. and then you've got a door straight ahead of you, go that way. And he's like, but where is that? And yes. I was like, but it's literally yeah. the... <laughs> in my defence, I was on the entirely opposite side of the building, though. Yeah, at that point, I, I, yeah, I didn't realise at that point, though, did I? So, no. But, yeah. but uh, as I was walking around, you know, probably losing half a stone in body weight, so the, the, <laughs> the intense heat of the place, um, trying to familiarise myself with where things are, because one of the problems I, ha- I found that I think... So you were saying this, Lucy, because of the vastness of the event. Yeah. There were a lot of people that I couldn't even see or didn't even realise were there. So I had Brendan Fraser was there, um, who I would have loved to have seen, but didn't get a chance. Mm. And I would have loved to have seen Val Kilmer, but I think that would have just been impossible. Cause I yeah, I think I think from what I remember, Val Kilmer was hidden away in a box yeah, yeah. like Charlie yeah, yeah. Sheen was. But actually, I think Brendan Fraser was on the big, long table at the back where there were like Jason Isaacs and Tom Felton and a few others. But I can't believe I didn't sort of even lay eyes upon the guy. But to be fair, there's a lot of people I didn't see because like Jenna Coleman didn't see, didn't see Chris Feckles and people. So Shan, just wandering around. But one of the other highlights that, again, it's didn't expect it to happen is uh, I was wandering around. It was much later in the day. Um and Sylvester McCoy was just at his table. Not a lot of people. Um, got his, got his, had a quick chat and got his autograph. And basically asked one of the staff and asked him, I said, could I just interview you? Take a few minutes of your time. And he was, said, yeah, not a problem, but it'll have to be quick. It was, cause he was exhausted. Mm, yeah. Now, unfortunately, my interview has not come out properly. I've got part of it but a very short burst of it. But what he was sort of saying is that he loved seeing the fans. He commented amusingly on the fact that he wanted uh, the problem with the fans is that the, the wonderful, but what they really needed was cooling fans because of how hot it was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he also commented that he's got a film coming out, which uh, I sadly cannot remember the name of, but if you check IMDb, it will be there. Um, and we just had a very brief sort of chat. Now, the credit to, the, to him is the fact that I got his other stuff tied it up, put all my stuff away, and then thought, you know what I haven't got? A photograph with him. So I went back, and he let me have a photo with him. You know, great guy. Aww. Really nice stuff. And uh, But what the biggest come away from it is um, really the showmaster staff were great. They were yeah. very, very helpful. Yeah. They were under a lot of pressure, because at one stage you went absolutely bonkers on the level of people when, uh, ladies, your boyfriend had appeared. Um, yes. And they and they were they were setting up his I assume autographs I think pictures and it was probably around what three four o'clock and the entire main hall had just gone into I took pictures and gone into this level of people and just a solid sort of sea of people and I think at that point someone told me later on the train back who'd been there that at that time they had they were at somewhere like block number sixty for photographs and they had about 600 to do oh my god <gasps> oh my god yeah because we saw um tom ellis didn't we getting, yeah, uh, yeah getting photographs with his wings mm-hmm. and it looks so good 
you know, mm-hmm. like, but there was like people in the crowd that were taking photos mm-hmm. and, you know, and then there was like organizers shouting quite loudly, you know, uh, well, obviously shouting, um, no photographs, you know, and mm-hmm. things like that. So, you know, trying to keep control, but it was hard, it, you know, it was a person because I actually sort of said, oh, you know, it'd be really cool to actually take a photo right now. But mm-hmm. I also knew it wasn't right to do it because it was yeah. somebody else's moment. But yeah, it was, it was really cool to actually see the, you know, what, what poses they were doing and things like that. You know, it was quite fun. But also it was like, you notice that it's literally, I mean, we've experienced it when we met Kevin Smith. It is literally like, go up to them, pose the photo, off you go. It's, it's like a yeah. five second yeah. intro, yeah. if that, you know. And that's what, I think that's what puts me off sometimes. Cause there was like people like Brendan Fraser and that you think, oh yeah, it'd be quite cool to meet them. Mm-hmm. but I'm also like the amount of money that it costs for the sake of a picture and a five second interaction it's mm-hmm. like I, I just can't justify it yeah but what yeah, they said exactly. this intro you are right what they said though about quite a lot of the people is that certainly with people like Christopher Eccleston I've gathered with Martin Sheen and yeah, Charles Sheen gave me his time um, some of them will give a lot of the time to talk to the people. They really do interact with the fans because with Val Kilmer, uh, two of the two guys I was chatting to on the train who've been at the event were saying how obviously Val Kilmer's been very well. He's had can throat cancer. He's now yeah. can't really speak properly. He's on a track yard me. He was very, very happy to see people. He had somebody who would translate if you weren't able to understand what he was saying. And he, he, you know, he spent loads of time with the people, which is really nice to see. Same thing I've gathered with like, uh, Brendan Fraser is very good with his fans um, but it is I mean you've got to think it's a hell of an event they've put on there's an awful lot of people there and the showmaster staff I do really feel you've got to take half to them because the yep. majority of them are, well I think they're all volunteers aren't they yeah. and um, yeah. well, it's the a majority very diff- yeah. Are. yeah there it, are a, a few people that are sort of um, org- actual yeah. organisers but yeah but the majority of people you see on the floor will be Volunteers. It's a hell of a job. Like the people in the blue t-shirts were generally volunteers, and then like yeah. the red t-shirts were more the actual staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when it had gone really, really busy for Jason Momoa's thing, and it was just gone bonkers, there were two ladies who were saying, "We, you know, we can't look at what we're supposed to be doing." So I said, "Well, give me a couple of minutes because there's a, a guy who works there who was at the event, Andrew. I know." I said, "Just give me a minute. I'll go and speak to him." So I went and asked him what was going on. It turns out they followed me because obviously I just cut sway through these people, <laughs> and um, the uh, he, he assisted them in finding out what was where they're supposed to be, what was going on. But it was one thing that saddened me actually that I remembered is that when I was thought I had to queue up to go in, they put him in this big queue from the train station. And they had to divide the queue up for safety to get people in and out. Well, some assholes who were in the queue basically just started like cutting through. And this woman mm. kept saying to them, we're doing this for your safety. Mm. And I'm just thinking, you really should be respecting the process. I know you're always going to get some people who are idiots to these things, but there is generally a reason why things are happening. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure probably some, well, I, I think you said this, Gemma, didn't you? You'd heard people sort of complaining about some staff members and having to go and it's, yeah, it seems unfair to me because you know they're doing the best they can. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, most of them aren't even getting paid for it. No. So it's like you know they literally are doing uh, as good as they can. You know, mm. and but yeah, there was like there was an incident with a um a lad who I was I was walking along, but you know what the crowds were like on the Saturday. 
um, or just in general, the crowds. Um, you could barely walk. You, like, you know, I've got long legs, but I could not stretch my legs out to walk properly. It was more of a shuffle kind of walk. And, um, yeah, this guy sort of, he said, Oh, for God's sake. And you sort of like, walked in front of me (laughs) yeah and then he walked in front of me and then got stuck (laughs) but the person who was um just in front of him basically and i just i clapped my hands like this (laughs) well done you did so well getting in front of me oh you're so clever like this (laughs) it's just like no i'm not taking your shit mate (laughs) the answer is for for a lot of these people just don't be a dick to people basically just Show some common courtesy. Yeah. I got laughed off of, uh, well, kind of, because um, I went up to one of the staff members. It was just on a whim, and I, I knew it was a long shot, but because Christina Ritchie was there, and I really, I would have loved to have spoken to her, and off mic or on mic, you know, either mm, way, yeah. I would have loved to have spoken to her, because in my goth days, she was my idol, you know. And... um yeah, and I spoke to the one of the ladies in red, and, uh, one of the organisers, and um, she basically just burst out laughing at me. I was oh. like, oh, <laughs> I said, well, I thought it'd be a long shot, but I didn't think you'd laugh at me. <laughs> and she goes, no, I'm sorry. She said, it's just, it's too mental at the yeah. moment, you know. That's, I mean, that's what they were saying a lot, the, the, I think they call it pit bosses, the people who were in mm. red. There was uh, a lady who was at the Bob Gale thing with who was, again, very helpful. And in fact, I was chatting to them, uh, to the staff, and I was saying, how have things gone? Has it been good? Uh, and they said, yeah, so everything's going well. It's busy, but it, things are moving moving well. She said, but we, we thought it was hot on, on Saturday. She said Friday was just unbearable. I heard that a lot as well. Because obviously it was still one of the hot, I mean, God almighty, what it have been like, because if it went to the Thursday, we had the hottest day, that would have been like death levels. Um, yeah. but well, I think the was Friday was kind of like the Thursday very, as well. Yeah, it's still warm. And somebody was telling me how one of the things that throws out the American guests is that they are used to being sort of very new uh, air-conditioned buildings. Well, of course, the Olympia is an old building and they can't stick yeah. air-conditioning in it. Yeah, And they had to deal with jet lag as well. Oh, yeah, because yeah, a lot of them just literally fly in that morning, don't they, yeah. go straight. Yeah into it yeah yeah so yeah you could definitely see without knowing who was uh what nationality you could kind of tell who the americans were <laughs> because a, they look knackered look, yeah they look so tired <laughs> yeah they look so tired and so hot but yeah so i mean the only the only thing uh, you know from a personal point of view is that i'm i'm miffed that i didn't get to speak to blake harrison <laughs> he's the one that i really would have loved to have spoken to so mr harrison if you're listening and you would like to be a guest on this show or if any of our listeners are uh want Friends to tweet at him <laughs> i'd love to speak to him so but yeah well, why is he your favorite in between her out of I don't know. I think it was because he was so dorky. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it was also because of the whole episode of um, Thought Park when he's carrying that door around. <laughs> he's like walking around in in hand-me-down clothes because his clothes have been nicked. <laughs> I used to work at Thought Park, and believe me, Neil would never have got a job there. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, dear. 
But yeah, he definitely wouldn't have been Mr. Monkey. If Mr. Monkey's wearing clothes, <laughs> Neil, but you are naked. <laughs> I'll have to pass on this one. I never watched it. So. Oh, James, you need to watch it. I think each season is only like six episodes. It's a bit like The Office. It's very short, so... Yeah, I never, I never watched episodes. The Office, to be honest. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. There's two series you should <laughs> um, You've got this free time. But, I think, unfortunately, we're going to have to get rid of Sally Lloyd Codswallop at this point. James is letting himself down. <laughs> I said you can have an episode of Sally Lloyd Codswallop about the in-betweeners. Yes. Or the, even the movie. Yeah, that would be amazing. Or the episode when they went to um, Swanage <laughs> and Neil's bashing a fish's face. <laughs> <laughs> or the fashion show where Cyber fashion- has the wardrobe malfunction. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I might have to farm that one out to my father because I think he's seen it. So he sounds, we've got the same voice, so no one would probably be any the wiser anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can never see you, so. <laughs> No, James, honestly, you need to check out Stranger Things and you also need to check out Inbetweeners and The Office. Okay. I'll add it. Sounding like Andy, I'll add it to my list. Um, yeah, but you don't have a job. You've got no, no excuse. True. Plenty of time to watch things. Um, I mean, yeah, yes, I will, you probably have other things to do, yeah, but still, make I'll, time. I'll, I'll have a look. Yeah, I'll do it all night and watch all, every, as much as I can. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Very quickly, going back to the event, yeah, I think it was, I really enjoyed it. The only yeah. thing I regret is that I didn't see um, as many of the people as I wanted to, because afterwards, you didn't find out who'd been there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have loved to see more people. But uh, again, um, the whole sort of the journey getting in, no problems. Big shout out to Virgin Trains. Their, their staff were really helpful. You know, so That's class. Uh, yeah, well, okay, yeah, I did tweet thank you at London Euston. They were very good to me in the lounge. Uh, and the people actually at Euston Station were great when they changed the train that would have got me to uh, the Olympia. Yeah. Very good in making sure I knew which train to be on. So, yeah, excellent. Uh, uh, very helpful. I was going to say, I've also got a big thank you to the train service as well for putting James in first class because he kept me topped up with orange juice and water. That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he stole. No, no, it's all past the thing. I liberated it. <laughs> oh, and Lucy got me hooked on Pokemon Go. Yes, I did. Yeah, which I've been semi doing well with. <laughs> you haven't sent me too many gifts, though. I've been sending you a gift every morning, which you've accepted, and you haven't sent me them back. I sent you one. Sent one gift. Yeah, but you should do it every day. Yeah, I know, but I haven't been to places to because yesterday oh, it was a complete oh, wipeout. Is this the thing where you walk around with like your phone? Yeah. 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 I remember reading about a woman who quit her job thinking she could make loads of money doing Pokemon Go. I wonder how well that worked out for her. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's a... I don't know how to make money out of it. Unless no. they get really rare Pokemon that they can sell, but yeah. I don't know how people make money out of it. Is it still a big thing, Pokemon Go, or is this something that was has like diminished in its uh... it's probably diminished because I'm tend to be quite behind the times on things so and I definitely am <laughs> I know I got back into it I saw Detective Pikachu a few months ago and it reignited my love of Pikachu so that's why I got back into playing Pokemon Go hey as long as you're enjoying it but yeah don't quit your job for it I think it's the uh, <laughs> the big takeaway <laughs> no I don't think I will although sometimes I'd like to <laughs> <laughs> for a different podcast. 
Anyway, so Gemma, how did you find the uh, the LFCC event? Um, yeah, I think it went really well because uh, I obviously been interjecting sort of on on and off anyway. But yeah, I think it went really really well, and I think crowd control they did really well. Yeah, staff are amazing. So I think it's something they build on every year, don't they? I mean, yeah. Like we the year you saw Kevin Smith, it was a little bit chaotic in general, and it just seems to have got better mm-hmm. last year and this year. So I think yeah. they learn every year from their mistakes, sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How long ago was it that Kevin Smith was out? Two years ago. Two years Two ago. Years, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's is pretty good. Can I just say something before I forget? Big shout mm-hmm. out to the uh, UK Ghostbusters representatives who were down there. Oh, they were, they were cool, good. weren't they? Yeah, they were really cool. Because you know you can buy those, like, there's almost like a £5 booklet type thing that you can yes. purchase. Yeah. So I don't know if it's actually in there, but I think that, like, a almost like a map of where people are, as in mm-hmm. where the celebrities are, would be quite a useful thing. Mm. If that is there, then I've never seen it. Right. But, yeah, I think that would actually be quite a handy thing. So, you know, like, like we said earlier that you know there's a lot of people that were in cubicles and things like that and like again go back to jason momoa but he was so out of it that it was so hard to find him Mm. it was literally just because we stumbled upon him yeah we found him unfortunately not literally yeah. I mean, I could have. Oh, you did. Yeah. yeah, I could have. I could have pretended to faint in front of him and uh, and see if my swooning, <laughs> you know, uh, he caught me or whatever, um, or or just trampled on me. I was going to say know, it would have been a bugger if he just stepped over you. And kept going. <laughs> oh, I'd love to film that. That would have been like YouTube gold. <laughs> it would have, but you would have missed it because, um, yeah, in an alternative universe. I turn around, you fainted, and Jason Boas stepped over you, yeah. went viral, and then, you know, off, and I, I would have talking cards wallop to the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because I would have had my t-shirt on as well. So yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I, think, yeah, exactly. I think if that had happened, though, what would have probably also happened, Lucy, is there would have been you running up with the camera going, shouting at Jeb to get up and stop embarrassing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Probably going, come on, come on, wake up. <laughs> but you know what? I wouldn't have done that anyway because I wouldn't have. Well, maybe for a gag I would have, but not not for real life because I'm not the kind of person that's going to like a woo faint. But yeah, it, the thought did pass my mind the closer he got that I thought, well, if I just pretend right now <laughs> and see what happens. <laughs> But then I'm going, I'm losing all my oxygen anyway, <laughs> Lucy. <laughs> and like doing the whole shouting without moving my lips kind of thing. So I'm going, Lucy, Lucy, yeah. Lucy, Lucy. <laughs> you're just ignoring you. And you're just ignoring Oh, uh, you know what you should have done? Oh, uh, you should have said to him, oh, you, that's a really good Jason Momoa cosplay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we'd... Uh, I'd uh, said to you sort of the night before, wasn't it, that I said to I'm going to, if I get to speak to him, I'm going to say, I loved you in Endgame. (laughs) 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 Knowing full well he wasn't in Endgame or in Infinity Wars, but yeah. So, but yeah, all in all, I had a fantastic time. You know, it was lovely seeing you two as well. Nice to see you too. Well, that was obviously your highlight. It was. (laughs) It was a real highlight seeing Robin. 
as well. Yes, we had lunch with uh, Robin. He was yeah. very nice. He's very lovely. Yes. Yeah, we had a good old chat and he had loads of stuff. And Robin, I hope National Express sorted you out with uh, sorting your oh. goods out because he yes. managed to leave his on the coach on the way home. I remember reading about that, yeah, on Twitter. God, I yeah. hope that has been sorted. That's yeah. terrible if it hasn't. I really, really hope it has. And also, Robin... What is it with you and like losing stuff? Because I mean, the first time it was me, I got something autographed for you, and then I gave it to the wrong person. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm the bad omen here. <laughs> Wait, let's think, let's look at this for a minute, Gemma. Yeah, go on then. You lose. So we're at the con. Yeah. You, you've been around Robbie. He loses his comics. You've lost both Lucy and me at the event. I never lost Lucy. Oh, okay. I just didn't lost her. Oh, yeah. well. Okay, so you <laughs> lost me, you lost, and he's lost his stuff. You lost yeah. my attention. <laughs> yes, correct. You lost... Yes. Oh, Gemma. Is this because oh. you come from that Plague Village place? <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> it's good old Weymouth. Weymouth. <laughs> right, yeah, so... So, anyway, it was lovely seeing everybody. It was also nice just to catch up with you, James, as well. Yeah, no, it was so, really good. I'm sorry that we kept, we kept losing one another. No, it's cool because it was like it was nice when we were just sat on the bench having our sandwiches and stuff with all the okay. pigeons flying around yeah. and you telling me you didn't like pigeons. <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> and the rubbish behind us. Yeah, it was a it was a very scenic, lovely area. There was an absolute shit ton of rubbish piled up behind us. Yeah. Pigeons dive bombing us. <laughs> yeah. And you telling me, oh, I really don't like pigeons. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, we might be sat at the wrong spot then. <laughs> yeah, it's London, they're everywhere. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Is Jason Momoa, obviously you've said he's not as tall as you expect, but he, I get the impression, I saw a couple of pictures, he's not as sort of bulky as you'd think. No, he's got a dad bod now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, his dad bod is basically amazing. So, um, no, he's. I'm assuming he won't be as muscular as he is in, say, films, because they'll sort of really intensely, you know, do intensive preparation training and stuff. So. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I didn't, like, he didn't seem, he seemed quite muscular, but not mm-hmm. that muscular. But to be right. completely honest, because it happened so quickly, and it was all such a blur, they kind of <laughs> just went, like, flash by in my imagination, you know what I mean? I was just like, did that really happen? <laughs> I'm not sure. And then I looked around and I was like, there's a crowd of people walking behind him, so <laughs> I guess that happened. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I totally get it, though, because I had that at Liverpool and, uh, twice when Terry Hatch was coming into the you know thing to start a day. I looked and thought... Didn't twig if she was like, God, that one really looks like Terry Hatcher. I'm like, oh, it is Terry Hatcher. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did do the double glance. I was like, is it? Is it? Is it? Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, hello, like that. And he went, hello. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> oh. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting all giggly and girly now. Has anyone else got anything they would like to say about the Comic-Con? Because I'm thinking we should wrap it up otherwise. Uh, Gary said they're doing the next one in September, which is an interesting time of year. Because I think they normally do it spring and then summer. Yeah. Is that one for so, Yeah. Wow. Mm. That's definitely going to be good for Gary's uh, business. I suppose it's true for a lot of the stallholders that, you know, you get your Christmas orders in, mm. which will be good. So, yes. yeah, watch this space, I guess. Yes. 
Um, I don't think they've announced anything official, so... No, but it'll be all over their website, on Showmaster's website, yeah. so, yeah. I think, I think my only sort of point, yeah, again, is a huge thank you to Showmasters uh, for letting us get tickets, and a oh, huge yeah. thank you, uh, Gemma, for letting me come along to it. Yeah. Oh, you're you're part of the show, so, you know... I mean, you're, <laughs> Lucy, you're, you're obviously not, but you're a friend, so, you know. Thank you to Andy for not wanting to or not being able to go, and I could take his place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it worked quite well. <laughs> but, yeah, no, we're uh, we're a team, so we mm-hmm. do things together. And, Lucy, you will always be on the replacement <laughs> card list. <laughs> <laughs> I will always be your backup. Yes. (laughs) I've just had a quick look on um, Showmaster's website and London Comic Con this year is actually end of November. So it Mm. might have been next year that Gary was referring to. Ah, okay. So London Comic Con Winter Edition is the 23rd and 24th of November. Nice. Ah. And actually, Gem, you might be interested. There's uh, Exeter Film and Comic Con on the 14th and 15th of September. I've already applied for them. So, uh, yeah, I've applied Impressive. for press passes there as well. There's an Amsterdam Comic Con. Oh, what was Shepherdsters? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've seen something about that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Oh. Upon the road. Yeah. Andy and James and I, <laughs> we need to apply for that because we we previously have, I can't remember if we did it on mic or off mic or whatever, but we did talk about a trip to Amsterdam. We did, yeah. Yeah. So I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't want to see what the dates are for that one. Yeah. Um, I don't have a date for it. But anyway, yeah, it's on the Showmasters website. They've got a list of all the various dates of their Comic-Con. Sheffield. Sweet. Um, Cardiff. Yeah, been to Cardiff a couple of times. Uh, that's it. That's it for this year, I think, as well as London and Exeter. Because I think the, they do the Star Trek one, which is not that far away, is it? I think yeah, it's, it's in the NEC. It's um, end of October. Yeah. Cool. I think friends of the show, Nicola and Ian, are going to the Star Trek one. Or Nicola and Squee. <laughs> oh, sorry. That'll be edited, I'm assuming. It'll be... <laughs> nah, so, fuck something it. Gap, Nicola and Keith. Nicola Squee. and Squee. <laughs> <laughs> Nicola and Ian Squee. <laughs> Squee. 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 Yeah, Squee. Oh, okay, that's his name now, Squee. Squee. Yeah, that's done. Right, okay, that's sorted. <laughs> <laughs> it's much better right okay well thank you ever so much for recording this episode with us lucy yeah thank you lucy did you want to give out your twitter handle Shall i say it now you can listen back and remember how to say my twitter handle <laughs> although i need to get some credit because i have been saying it right the last couple of times you have well that's because i text you the phonetic saying of it so yes, there was no did. excuse <laughs> <laughs> anyway yes um, my twitter handle you can find me at katonius which is not how it's spelt but yes <laughs> Yes. I'm sure Gemma will tag me at some point. It's not Canateris, it is in fact. Not Cantankerous. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> but I will actually put it in the um in the description of the episode as well as obviously tag you in it as well. So so yes. Catonius. Catonius. Catonius or Catonius. I think that's probably what I used to say. No, no, no. Because my surname is Caton. No, I know. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. But... I get it right. <laughs> Are you sure it's not Caton? <laughs> oh, no, stone. Don't. Caton? Caton? Caton. <laughs> anyway, so 
I think we've been talking enough Codswallop this week. I've been Gemma. I've been James. I've been Lucy. Hi, I'm Glenn, and I'm Mr. Fantastic. And you've obviously come, you've come in a brilliant costume. Can I just check? Is D, and I'm obviously an invisible woman. Yes. But at the moment, she's visible. So, um, if you could just tell me, obviously, you know, why you've come here, what sort of brings you to these sort of conventions? These sort of conventions in London is specifically for fun. Um, we are part of a cosplay group which do smaller, more local conventions as for, for charity and things like that. But the bigger conventions are just just fun. Basically. And how long have you been doing the uh, the, the sort of the, the Comic Con and uh, cosplay scene? I, I've been doing it for probably four or five years. Um, D, not so much. Since February. And how are you finding it? Yeah, all right. It's loads of fun. I mean, I've kind of done bits and pieces like this on Nights Out before, but not kind of done the, the Comic-Con circuit. So this is new to me. So it's a bit hectic, but no, it is good fun. So I was going to say, what do you find the most challenging thing about doing this sort of stuff? Usually, if you're wearing an awkward costume, it can be a challenge. Exactly. I've got, like, lights in my gloves. Oh, wow. So, obviously, my fingers, I can't use my fingers properly because I've got small lights in the end mm. of them. Things like that make it much more complicated. And yes, yesterday I was here as Venom, so I had a latex mask on and I could see barely anything out of it. And it was really hot, the sweat was gathering in the, in the mask and it wasn't very pleasant. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah I can imagine that would be quite an experience walking around dressed like that. So, obviously you've hit upon the fact that you, come, you do other costumes. Do you both do other, other characters yeah. as well? I was Black Cat, the symbiote version yesterday, to sort of match up with, with Venom. But we do loads of different ones, yeah, don't we? I've got about 16 different costumes. I do. Uh, I tend to prefer doing more obscure characters or costumes which you don't see very often. So I, I do. Uh, I, I do Vision, um, Captain Britain. Um, but my favourite character is Superman. So I've got three different Superman suits. Um, yeah. And which ones have you got? I've got the Tyler Hoechlin one from Supergirl. I've got the Man of Steel and a classic Christopher Reeve style one. And what do you both find is the most? Because obviously you've got to come up with the idea of who you're going to come as. Where do you get what? What inspires you to come as the characters you, you come as? For me, I read a lot of comics, so I'll see a costume in a, in a comic and be thinking, "Oh, I could do that," and I, "How could I achieve this, that, and the other on on that costume?" And if I think it's possible, I'll I'll give it a go. And one of the things I've, I always ask people when I go to these sort of conventions is, if you could give any advice to anyone who's going to go into this. So, will you use me as your blank template, because I've never done the cosplay stuff. What advice would you give me and anybody else who wanted to go into this? The biggest piece of advice would probably be, don't feel nervous about doing it. Because when you're at a convention like this, there's so many other people in costumes that you don't feel out of place. Um, some people might feel a bit awkward on the journey to and from the convention but I, I've, I've been on the tube in full costume before and it, I find it quite fun and rather than people love it people absolutely love seeing you dressed up we ne- I don't think we ever get any kind of bad kind of vibes off anyone do it it's all really positive so you, I say go for it and because you it's so much fun it is so much fun and did you come in on the tube sort of thing today no we, we we've been in a, in a hotel right. for the weekend um yeah, so we, we did travel up in normal clothes and obviously come from the... But we did walk from the hotel to here. So we do have a 15 to 20 minute walk in costume, so... 
I, I mean, people around here are used to it though, because obviously having the convention here, they're used to seeing people go past. Because uh, someone stopped us yesterday and said, "Oh, no surprises for where you're going then," kind of thing. So they're used to us. I think what you hit on one of the great things is that obviously you do it with a charity angle to it, and that's something I hear from a lot of people that really it's really it's you know it's touching it's quite an inspiring thing that people are doing it so are there any sort of charities you support or is there any do you have like a because you were saying like you do this as a bigger thing do you have a web page or anything that we could tell our listeners about well we're the group we're in is Go Geek and um, they're based in the south of England um, most of the events we do are around Southampton Portsmouth and Bournemouth the sort of very south of, of England um, but yeah there's very it, it's not a specific charity like bubbles the uh, local hospital to up to in Portsmouth Keyway Hospital they had one that was the most recent charity one that we did um, and it was just called the bubbles fund raising money wasn't it um, and then the day before I was in one for um, Hailing Island which again is a local to Portsmouth um, and it was raising money for the local schools so basically everything raised will be split amongst all those schools so it's Go Geek will choose obviously the charities that they're representing and we turn up to the event effectively so Brilliant well thank you for taking the time to speak to me I wish you all a wonderful day ahead I'm hoping I'll catch the rest of you <laughs> the Fantastic Four so I can get a picture and hopefully chat right, to them and, uh, <laughs> When there's a group of five of us, it'll probably be harder to miss. So. Oh, well, have a nice day, and thank you yeah, very you much. Yeah, you too. Uh, I have come as the Phantom from the Phantom of the Opera, and I guess I've kind of come today because it's a character that I really enjoy. It's a lovely Victorian building we've got here, so I thought it could fit in quite well. And anything else you want to ask? So, have you do, do, you, do, do you go to these sort of conventions before? Is it a thing you do sort of a lot of the time? Uh, this is my first time at LFCC. I've been to MCM quite a few times. I'm usually in Star Wars getup, so this is a new one for me, being in wig and makeup, so it's a bit crazy for me. But um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. So what you said, what I loved here is the fact that you you know you go as other characters, and quite a few people you see do do that. So what is what sort of is the most challenging thing for you in terms of this character? Well, in, in, well for this and in general, generally it's usually the heat. Yeah. That, I think oh, I, I think most cosplayers can sympathise with it. It's going to be the heat. Most costumes are really hot. There's lots of layers. This one especially, I've got things on my face. I've got a wig. It's very hot in here. Um, but that's generally the challenge I usually have in, in all the costumes, really. And if you could give advice to anyone who wants to get into this. So we use me as a template because I've never done the costume stuff. I am tempted. The one I'm personally tempted to try is do Captain America in the, uh, his, his army uniform. But I envision I will die of heat exhaustion from <laughs> That's what I really like as well. I, I consider doing that one as well. Um, any advice would be if there's a character that you like, just go for it. There's tons of support online. There's groups on Facebook. If it's something that you, you think you want to do, just give it a go and you'll never know until you try. Yeah, so don't be afraid, basically. Just go in, you know, feet first. Um, so do you have like, because obviously you're saying you, do, you sometimes dress up as Star Wars as well. Do you have like a website or anything that we can find your details on? Uh, yeah, I actually run a YouTube channel and also facebook and instagram and all that stuff it's buckethead props so like i said there's a lot of um a lot of star wars costumes and stuff but i also do harry potter stuff props costumes reviews things like that well it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you thank you for taking the time costume is brilliant i much. i envision that you're going to be rather warm as the day goes on Quite warm, yeah. but thank you so much i hope you have a really nice day no i have found two of so far and i mean this sincerely the best costumes i've seen Pulp Fiction I mean it doesn't get any better so if you want to introduce yourself tell me a bit about and what I mean these are just great I love them brilliant costume I'm Michael I'm Kirsty 
And how did you come up with this? Basically, everyone's always told me that I look like Uma Thurman. So I thought, you know what, give them the last laugh. I'll go with me and Wallace, and luckily, my other half. Everyone's always told me that I don't look like John Travolta, so... <laughs> You've got the chin. You've got the chin. <laughs> I made it a bit more dimpled for today. <laughs> luckily, she's really good at makeup. Ah. Well, my, I have a dimpled chin, but it's so not obvious. From the side, you can sometimes see it, so I'll need to tell you a secret. Ah. Um, so... I mean, obviously, you've come with some very unique costumes that other people have not done, and it's great. You'll stand out. Um, what would you say is the, the hardest part of putting this sort of stuff together? Wig, for me. It's, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> What's horrible about it? It's just hot, and it's, I always feel like it's not on right, and it's going to ping off or something. So I, I, Everything else is pretty much just clothes. It's like some, some people around here have got really great props and things. This is just... For me, anyway, it was just like put on a suit and make sure it kind of looks about right. And you, you, you totally edited your uh, yeah. Shirt. The, the shirt had to have pointy front tails on and pointy collars, and yeah, it's um, it's a simple costume as long as you can adapt it to what you need it to look like. But a bit of fun. <laughs> and do you dress up as anyone else ever, or is this the predominant sort of costuming you do? No, this is it. I've, apart from Halloween parties and things like that. In, in fact, actually, a few Halloweens ago, I did put together. Um, a, a, a uh, what are they called? The, the umbrella, um, like SWAT team guys from Resident Evil. I put one of those costumes together. Uh, it cost me a fortune, but aside from that, no. I, I seem to like dressing up more like men. You so I've been Sean from Sean the Dead. Um, I've been Matt Smith's Raggedy Doctor. Um, generally geeky things I like to do. So are you like to do go with the Jody uh, Doctor? Not a fan. I'm not, not a fan. No. They'll kill you around here if they hear you saying that. Everyone's meant to love that character. <laughs> I know, I really don't like her take on the character at all. It's just a bit too different for me. It's gone a bit more childish, I think, over the years. And I mean, you've just started to watch it as well, haven't you? So from Chris Frexen. So he's, he's the best one, along with David. We've not quite hit Matt Smith feud yet. Not yet but no. um, yeah. For me on Dot 2, though, I'll, I'll throw you Kerbosh. I'm quite different. For me, it's Capaldi. And I like McGann. McGann always got a really short run, but I like the stuff he did because he wasn't that good. But we're not here to discuss Dot 2, we're here to discuss your Pulp Fiction costumes. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, I, d- I seriously do mean it. Brilliant. I'm really impressed. Um, so, do you, like, obviously you're saying you don't really sort of do this huge amount, but you do it a bit more. Do you have any, like, websites or anything, or do you do anything? That, no, no. Okay. Literally a case of let's just make it a bit more fun whilst we're here. Yeah. Well, I hope you have a really nice day. I hope it all goes well for you. I hope you're not too hot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you've got more chance of being a bit cooler. You might be. Yeah, yeah. I could, I could take the, I could take the jacket off, but then it, it kind of ruins the look a little bit. So we'll see, we'll see how far I get. Well, I hope you have a really nice day, and I'll hopefully see you later. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, you're right. I'm, I'm Russell Payne. I'm a writer and an artist. I'm here representing the Jack Kirby Museum. JackKirbyMuseum.org online. Um, we're here to promote the the legacy and the work of Jack Kirby because so many people today don't really know the name, even though he was primarily responsible for so many of the characters that are now multi-million properties. If you look at the top ten highest-grossing films of all time, six of them are based on Jack Kirby characters, which is incredible, isn't it? So a lot of the kids that come and chat to us, you know, they're wearing a Thor T-shirt. And they want to know who Jack Kirby is, so I'm here to point them to the museum website. Um, you can join the museum and you get a cool free vintage poster and you get access to like the digital archive we have online. 
and we, we exist to promote the legacy of Jack, make sure his name is, is still out there. So I give talks at, at comic conventions talking about Jack Kirby, trying to educate people on, on the history of comics and just keep the name out there, hence the giant poster. It's like a shrine to Jack Kirby in the corner of the Comic Con. And how did you get into this? How did you? Because it's quite a. I mean, I know Jack Kirby's work not brilliant. I'm going to have to be honest, but uh, it's a bit of a niche thing to go into. So, how did you get into doing this? Well, you say niche, but the the, the very foundation of, of well, the uh, yeah, yeah, I know that. But what I mean, is the idea of doing the, the you know the, the the organization about him. Yeah, sorry. Okay, the, but the organization itself is um, based in in America. I'm just a volunteer that that represents them at UK Con sometimes. Um, the the do- Jack's daughter Lisa is one of our trustees, and then Rand Hop and um, Tom Craft, and we we try and. Uh, I, I got into it after those guys they set it up I was just on a, a Jack Kirby forum as a fan um, and wanted to help out and somehow stumble into giving talks about Jack Kirby at, at comic conventions I'm a, I'm a writer by trade um, and there's a, there's a the thing is there's a big core following of Jack's fans obviously of a certain age that grew up on his comics and there was a time when Marvel and, and Kirby family this date were, were at loggerheads because obviously Jack didn't have a great relationship with Marvel towards the end of his career he didn't feel he was recompensed correctly he didn't have the copyright of the characters um, but, but happily after I got involved with this there was a settlement legally um, the family and Marvel settled and now you see Jack's name much more prominently in films and in comics where you know, there was a time when if you look open the Fantastic Four comic Jack's name wasn't in the front yeah, and now it's, it's, it's up front and centre so we're, we're at a happier time um, but it, it's, I think it's interesting for folks to find out the, the comics history and where it all came from so that the museum is continuing going now to try and uh, keep that legacy alive we also have like scanning uh, comic conventions to make sure we have copies of all the art Jack, Jack worked for like what 60 odd years everyday drawing tens of thousands of pages and a lot of them were either stolen or went missing so we're trying to get a, a, both an oral history and a digital archive of Jack's work which I think is really important because you can see where where so many of the comics, comics and films that we do now came from. Well, it is an awful situation where you were. You, you, I mean, you, you know, you, you, you get it with Jack, but you obviously saw situations with other uh, artists and writers where they're completely nudged out. I mean, the most famous one is obviously Jerry Gil Joe Shuster, where the I mean, it was the, the way they were treated was a pawn, but it happened with Bill Finger as well. And that's where it's great to hear that there is something like this, but also there's something that you know where they're actually preserving this person's work and. It's giving people in the future knowledge of what Jack did, but it's also giving people, um, well, you know, there's going to be something that that will always be on record for the guy, and that's a brilliant, brilliant thing. Absolutely, yeah, because a lot lot of it's lost to time. You know, the the guys that were there in the early days and the sort of the 60s and the Silver Age, and now a lot of them have died. So we only have the oral history of what happened. So it's, it's important, I think, yeah, to absolutely what you said, make sure that people do have a written record of, of where these things came from. I mean, when you think of what the massive effect it's had on, on popular culture, I mean, talking about the highest grossing films, it's, it's kind of unprecedented that we don't know a lot about it. So it's, there's, 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 we're not the only ones. The Cartoon Museum in, um, in London is doing a really good job like pres- preserving the history of British comics and America. And it's, it's great. Go and have a look at that. That's fantastic. I only really just found out about that. I've got a table a bit further down. I'm doing a panel with them tomorrow and a, a couple of comic laureates. And there seems to be a bit of a, a, a burgeoning interest now in the in the history of it academically. Whereas in the past, it was seen as a bit of a throwaway 
thing for kids. Now we're seeing that how much of an impact it's had on on culture generally. You can't go in a shop, can you, anywhere in the world and not see a, a Captain America or a Hulk or an Avenger lunchbox or a Lego or a T-shirt somewhere. So, so the, the interest is starting to rise up. So now's the time to make sure it's, it's documented and down. Yeah, um, and we're, we're not profit making. You know, we just exist to try and try and promote. Jack, and there should be a museum for all creators. There should be a Steve Ditko museum. There should be a Bill Finger museum, um, and maybe there will be one day. I think Her Jay's got one, hasn't he? But that's correct. So we can just refresh Malista's memory of uh, our memories. Sorry, because there's a hell of a lot more than one of uh, how to best get you know find out more about you and get in contact. Well, well, you can if you Google Jack Kirby. I think Wikipedia's first, and then the museum's next. But the, the website address is www www.kirbymuseum.org I don't think you can do much better than visiting that website and there's a there's some great stuff on there you don't have to pay anything you know there's loads of stuff there that's totally free but if they want you can join the museum and, and they will send you a vintage poster but you know have a look online and see or you can just donate if you're feeling any multi-millionaires listening that want to preserve Jack Kirby's legacy that would be nice too well fortunately I'm not a multi-millionaire but I have absolutely loved uh, listening to what you know to what you said about the, the museum uh, and the organisation uh, and I obviously you know hope that all my listeners will look at it and uh, be you know they'll be very interested in it so thank you very much and hope you have a nice day no, that's great thanks nice talking to you thank you uh, hi, I'm Simon Furman. I'm a writer for comics and TV animation, and I've worked extensively on Transformers over the years, pretty much since it started back in 1984, and still working on Transformers, but I also work on things like Robotech, The Vigilant. I've worked for Marvel on Alpha Flight, uh, you know, Annihilation, various other Marvel titles, and just generally, you know, I've done a lot of comics in my career. And Death said and Death's Head and Dragon's Claws and now the spiritual successor to both of those our new comic called To The Death which is our first creator-owned fully self-published comic we've produced myself and Jeff Senior So I'm sure you, you'll I'll be asking you questions you've been asked before but how did you get into this? What was the how, how did you become a you know a comic book artist, writer, etc.? Well, I mean, I worked for IPC magazines, and then I started writing for a small comic they did called Scream, which was like the the horror companion to 2000 AD. You know, creepy stories for kids, and I kind of cut my script writing teeth on that, and then. Pretty rapidly after that, I started working for Marvel UK on Transformers and then on staff as well, and that rolled into everything else from there. What I, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to do a bit of hero worship with you on this one, because one of the things, I, I mean, Transformers was always the thing I loved as a child, still love it now, still, 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 you know, read it and watch it, etc., what I love that was the big different thing that I learned when I got older is the difference between the the US comics and the fact that they sort of like I've got to be honest, not do the greatest quality writing or something. And you really fleshed it out. You gave up some amazing sort of in depth stories. So but looking at say Galvatron, you sort of really you know uh, took the character that was known from the films and things and then really fleshed it out and gave it this amazing sort of story because um, yeah before. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is that like, it sort of like ended very abruptly with the US stuff and you sort of gave it a real sort of run and a story to it so that's a big thank you from me but how did you get the where did your ideas come from to make it bigger than it already was well I mean you know for a start we never really thought of them as just kind of robots or toy characters 
and you know I always wanted to write the stories I would want to read myself and those were always like I kind of grew up on either the sort of old British UK comics or the works of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby so you know so just making it a far bigger story was just where I wanted to go with it and you know make it about gods and monsters and parallel universes and you know we were helped enormously by the animated Transformers movie because once we knew the American comic wasn't going near those characters or that future storyline we could just completely make it our own and mix it back into you know the other stories we were telling so it really just changed everything for us and it it kind of made it meant we could just do again those stories I love to tell which are time twisting you know universe bending kind of you know parallel reality stories so you know we just went from there really because I'm, I'm hoping I'm right I'm running a bit on my memory on this one was Target 2006 would have been something that you, you worked on and created again the parallel universe thing people coming from different times I've got that right haven't I yeah yeah you know, Target 2006 was the start of our kind of slightly animated movie verse storylines and Galvatron and and then you know we brought Death's Head into the mix and and you know and I was working with Jeff on you know that and then we were working on Dragon's Claws so you know that our sort of working relationship goes back many years and now you know when we're working on to the death we're, we're working in a kind of really easy way with each other because we know each other's strengths you know I write in a very loose way that Jeff can just interpret how he feels and and you know really the end product with to the death is probably the culmination of all that working together in the past it's kind of like all our greatest hits done in a completely new story way for you know a kind of modern comics audience so I'm going to ask you some more questions about to the death but I want to just take one backtrack question to Transformers which is how much were you shackled by sort of like the the Hasbro company and the 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 sort of the cartoons and, and the toy line how much how could we how easy was it to sort of break free from that we, we were very rarely constrained at all you know that you know we were more or less left to do what we wanted to do you know the Hasbro would look at things we did but Hasbro have always been very open to interpretation to pushing the boundaries of what Transformers can be so you know we never had any sort of you know no you can't do that you know sometimes we we married up our plans with them but largely we were just free to do what we wanted so for my listeners, and this is going to be for myself as well, because I will be buying a copy, to, and hopefully if I get to sign it, that'll be yeah, great. Absolutely. Tell us about To The Death. Okay, well, To The Death is, you know, what Jeff, and, what Jeff loves drawing and I like writing are sort of, you know, the kind of mad action, but with, with, a, sort of, with, with a kind of twist to it. So there's, there's generally a little bit of, you know, a, a sort of that sort of dark edge, that twisted look at the world today through sci-fi. So it's really the story of one man against a totally corrupt system on a future Earth. You know, he, they sort of pick a fight with him that really he should just back away from and give up, but he just keeps coming relentlessly against this kind of mega corporation that rules the world now and, and repackages off-world warfare as entertainment for the masses. And, you know, it's a terrible, terrible place to be. There's a global conspiracy underlying the whole thing. And then this one man that they try and bump off 
Alexei Dryagin comes back into this mix and just won't quit, won't give up. And so he keeps coming and coming and things just escalate. You know, it's got an evolved sort of fishman assassin called Killer Toa, who's kind of our death's head. He's got a lot of that slightly sort of sardonic humour to him as well, but he's utterly brutal with it. And then you've got just this... The hero I kind of love is that man who kind of knows it's a lost cause, but is just too stubborn or bloody-minded to back down. So he just keeps coming back against this uh, tri-corporation, you know, with, with, you know, and it just escalates. And, and like I say, it's wrapped up in a massive global conspiracy that goes back to this guy's sort of first mission as a soldier. Excellent. Well... Um, my other question is going to be where can people pick this up from how are they best getting hold of the magazine well obviously we're self-publishing and self-distributing but it's available in all UK comic book stores and uh, it's also online at getmycomics.com you can buy issues direct so you know it's very available and if you want to visit us on our webpage we're www.2-the-death.com so and all the information and preview issues are up there okay well Simon thank you so much for having a chat with me and I'm looking forward to uh, getting my hands on one of those issues brilliant thank you hi there I'm Jeff Senior I'm uh, I'm an artist I'm working with Simon Furman on our new uh, uh, comic uh, To The Death which is a a 10 issue series which is out now and uh, I originally uh, got into comics uh, quite a few years ago probably 25 years ago or maybe more uh, and I'm probably best best known for drawing Transformers and um, although it was enjoyable drawing robots, it's good to get back to doing something which is uh, more figure-based. And we originally did a, a couple of things. Uh, one was uh, Dragon's Claws, and uh, the other was uh, Death's Head, who we created. Well, we created both. And this project we're doing now, To the Death, is, is really a, a revisit of that kind of, that kind of uh, exciting uh, sci-fi action-packed adventure, which is what we, we've always wanted to get back and do something like that again. And uh, so that's what I'm presently doing now, after a, a period in advertising, which I, I, I feel I learned quite a bit of sto- uh, storytelling knowledge in advertising as well. So bringing all that back and, and, uh, and, and doing this project now, I feel that the storytelling is, is how I really want it to be, etc. So that's, uh, that's, that's really what it's all about for us. And we're, we're really enjoying it. And at the moment, we're, we're at LCC uh, promoting, uh, promoting the comic. Because, yeah, one of the things I said earlier to... I said earlier to Jeff to Simon, it's like, basically, you guys sort of, like, really, you know, you sort of, like, influenced and you drew and put together my childhood with things like Transformers and Death Head. It was, uh, you know, I have really fond memories of reading this stuff as a child, and it's, uh, it's, it's just really good to sort of see here, because the other thing I found, like, with Death Head, which is obviously, like, a, something unique that you did, it wove in so brilliantly with the Transformers mythos. It was just... It was great stuff to see. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, it was. And it, 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 I think as Simon's probably already explained, was it was originally going to be a throwaway character, but Simon liked the design and said, hey, we're, I like this guy, let's keep him going, uh, which is why he's still going now. I know he's changed his appearance a few times, um, but it's good to, to see. I like, I like when people come up and say, oh, I still prefer the first Death's Head. Yeah, yeah, no, I can say that with absolute not a certainty. I still have the memories of seeing the comic and seen like when he was taking on like Robbins Prime and things when they were like fighting in a sewer system. I can still remember and picture that right now. And I wish I'd been more smart and brought that copy for you both to sign, but I oh, forgot. Never mind. Never mind. But yeah, the, the, I mean, Death Head's a, a, a great character, and 
when we when it was designed, we, I mean, a lot of people say, well, he, he doesn't have much expression, but the whole point of Death's Head was he was just, he was just a, literally a, he had a tin head, yeah, yeah. and um, the only expression he had were his eyebrows, which occasionally actually left his head. You know, they were amazing. Or he could look surprised, but it's amazing what you can do with, with just a pair of eyebrows. Um, and that was a challenge, and I think that's, that's where a lot of the humour and character came from. The fact that, that, that it was all in the eyebrows. And it was the way he put together his sentences, the yes thing, you know. Exactly, yeah. Well, that, that was obviously Simon, uh, when he saw the character, and once he starts writing, I think the character comes to life. And, uh, well, I'm pleased he's still going in his various forms. Um, but so yeah, he was a great character to work on. And uh, but now we, we, we with what we do now with To the Death, uh, because it's our uh, we own it. It's our creation, so we control everything. So fingers crossed if it's uh, and we hope it gets out there. Uh, we can keep keep it going and uh, and do do spin-off stories, etc., etc. And that would be great. That's one thing I wanted to ask. Also, the idea of a spin-off. What sort of future? Because obviously I envision this is going to be very successful and people are going to like this. Where would you like it, to, without giving any of the story away, where would you like it to go? Well, that's interesting because being the artist, I have no idea what goes on in Simon's brain. Um, but I, I know what, what we'll do is, uh, if, if, if there are spin-offs... I'm going to shift my stuff to, I think I'm blocking everybody. It's Sorry about, sorry about that. It's all right. But if, the, if there are spin-offs, and fingers crossed there will be, because um, we work together, the way we work is it, it, we're quite malleable. Simon will come up with a story, and, it, and I'll get the, uh, the breakdown, and it's more in paragraphs. So it, it might, there won't even be any dialogue in there. I'll break it down to the story format, and I can add and, and, and suggest we could do this, do this, or, or, or do that, or change things. And then, but once we get it, and then it's finished. Then Simon will put the dialogue on. So when when we do decide what we're going to do, it will it will it will be a two way street, uh, and I'm sure it'll be full of action. And what would you say? Because I'm obviously you, you are the, you know the art. What's the most challenging character you ever had to draw? The most challenging character I ever had to draw um, was probably Ultra Magnus. Um, basically because he had, he had this kind of strange stuff going on in his chest he's like, he had bits sticking out and things so, some, some characters are good to write all the, all the bad guys are always best you know the Megatrons and the Galvatrons etc all the, all the bad guys are always more fun to draw um, but yeah one, one or two Transformers is, oh, not, not that one again you know but uh, I didn't have any say in which one uh, it was going to be so obviously that was Simon's department but uh, basically uh, um, yeah, um, Ultra Magnus was my least favourite character. <laughs> so I'm going to test your memory on this and mine. Speaking of Ultra Magnus, there's one where there's a, a cover where he got into gladiator, you know, gladiator combat with a like a, a green three-armed creature. Would th- would that that be your artwork? I suspect on the front. Does it ring any bells? Um, it doesn't ring any bells, but. And strangely enough, when, when people bring my artwork around, and I did it years ago, I look at it and think, I can't remember doing that. <laughs> and it's, it's a strange feeling to say, I know it's me, yeah. but I can't remember drawing that. You know, sometimes it's a little bit I do remember, but I think because when, once you're, you're doing it, you, you, you're kind of just turning it out and doing so much that, you know, and it's such a long time ago. It, it's, it's fascinating when people do show me something that I haven't a clue that, you know, that I, I, when I did it, but I know it's me. When I look at it, it's a strange feeling. It's 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 a weirdest thing. But um, but I have no idea who uh, Ultra Magnus was battling with the guy with the long arms. Well, why not? 
I don't know. Well, I certainly, you know, I'm because I bought a copy of this. I'm really looking forward to reading it when I get home, and uh, I wish you continued success with it. I think it'll be brilliant. That's great, thanks. And like I say, it's it's a it's action. There's a great story, and it's a ten issue series, and it builds to a. I'm really pleased with the ending. It it really builds up to a really powerful ending. So yeah, we enjoyed working on it, and I hope people enjoy reading. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much. Have a nice day. Okay, so I'm uh, Stephen Saleh. I'm the author of Dark Lines of London, which is a book that we're launching this weekend exclusively here at uh, London Film and Comic Con. And I'm Mariella Malova. I'm an artist and illustrator. Um, I worked on Dark Lines of London with Stephen and Raggedy Man Tales with Jim Jordan and Marcosia. Fantastic. And um, what is the book actually about? Okay, so yeah, it's a bit of an unusual one. It's not it's not your standard superhero uh, spandex type book. It's actually a, a kind of a pseudo historical sci-fi thriller. It involves uh, John Dee, who was the um, uh, wizard slash alchemist slash uh, astrologer for Queen Elizabeth the First, and it all re- revolves around a real ley line, which I discovered in East London, covering uh, from Limehouse through the Isle of Dogs through to Greenwich. So it's all based on real characters, real architecture, um, and yeah, it, it's a, a kind of a thrilling yarn spill, uh, spun around all these real events. And how, I'm fascinated, how did you find that line? <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it kind of found me actually. I, um, I just found one tiny um, detail on it which intrigued me, something to do with Freemasons. And I started like researching, bearing in mind that I haven't actually been working on this for 10 years, so a huge amount of research went into it. The more I dug, the more things I just started discovering, I just unexplainable things. For example, this one ley line in London, it's uh, about four miles long, covers East London, um, and up until the 1980s, it actually had two nuclear reactors on it, in reality. Wow. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Nobody knew they were there. Uh, absolutely, yeah. One in Queen Mary's University in Mile End, and one in uh, uh, the Royal Maritime uh, um, The uh, what was it called? It's, it's now Greenwich University in uh, Christopher Wren's building in Greenwich. Yeah, they had a nuclear reactor in the basement. Yeah. Wow, well, that's not, that's fascinating, but also a little bit scary as well, isn't it? Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. absolutely terrifying. Yeah, and uh, locals didn't know it was there, so. Uh, when they removed it, I, th- I think they had to rem- uh, remove 120 tons of material kind of secretly while they were doing it. Yeah, absolutely bizarre, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. This actually, it really does sound like a book that I would like to read because I'm not, personally, not massively into comic books, but if it's something that really captures me, so, like, I love sort of mystery, you know, like, yeah. I'd also like um, horror and stuff like that, so it kind of sounds like it's kind of along my line of things so right yeah exactly yeah it's something a bit different it's it's, it's absolutely not for everyone but you know a lot of people are interested in that kind of thing it's got a bit of the occult about it a bit you know magic and uh, so yes there are a lot of people into that absolutely yeah it's got a lot of interest yeah both online and uh, here absolutely yeah brilliant and um obviously you do the artwork for it so um how long have you been working on this project and how long have you been doing like art sort of projects for gosh i met steven three years ago i think Um, And I've been working on this book for about two years. Uh, It's my first graphic novel. Oh, wow, 
congratulations. Thank you. So I'm really excited about it. We're launching this weekend and um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. And um, have you always had like an interest in art beforehand? Oh, yes, I have a degree in fine arts and then I went into theatre design and now I moved into illustration. So yeah, I, it's, I've always wanted to try illustration and basically by meeting Stephen, um, I got the opportunity. Yeah. The dreams came true, so to speak. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and finally, um, how how can people sort of find out about the book? Uh, it is online and things like that. Absolutely, that's a great question, and uh, we're really trying to push uh, the social media side of things. So uh, we're on um, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, hashtag Dark Lines of London, one long word. Uh, yeah, definitely come along, have a look, follow us, and. Um, there's some exciting things. I mean, we've got a TV script that's been uh, sent out and uh, it's being looked at. So, you know, fingers crossed, it, it could it could take off. So, yeah, absolutely. So, remember this podcast when you uh, you become rich and famous, okay? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Get on, get on board early. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Ah, I appear to be being pulled over. <laughs> Welcome to the incredibly violent world of Psychogram, the world's most violent old lady. Here we see a kicking Superman in the Unmentionables, spanking Kylo Ren's bottom, <laughs> twisting Batman's nipples, punching the head off a Dalek, and my absolute favourite, an alien kicks in the pom-poms. <laughs> All this and more awaits you in the world of Psycho Gran. So she's my oldest cartoon character. She's been going since 1986 when she first appeared in a kid's comic called Oink. Okay. And uh, she was, she was uh, only appeared 15 times in the original comic comic lasted two years and then disappeared and I've been drawing her ever since so I now do her in two different books this first one's called Psychogram Versus and the other one is uh, her all new comic of which issue two went on sale today and now this introduces a whole new way of doing comics this has never been tried before so I shall describe it to your to your readers when you get to I know I know when you get to page <laughs> oh, I see I see what you're saying sorry yes it's okay when you get to page three you put your thumb at the top and the bottom and you rotate it and you have amazing widescreen comics. Oh, wow. I know, eh? <laughs> so these are just like collection of all of her comics. She appears in David Lloyd's digital comic Aces Weekly, which comes out every week. So she's been in there since volume one. It's now up to volume 27. It's brilliant. And I do her. So this is a collection of, of some of her adventures from Aces Weekly. So it's more of the same, but uh, oh, this is a lovely one. So in this gorgeous story here, she invites two Jehovah's Witnesses into her house. <laughs> There she poisons, poisons them until they're paralysed, but still still alive. And then she gets out her favourite knife. But I, I won't spoil the ending. OK. Well, I don't know if we can work out what the ending is, and we'll have to now buy it, definitely. Yes, will. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> buy it. Yes. And um, where can people find you on, like, social media and uh, website and stuff? Psycho has got her own Facebook page. That's the best way to get in contact with me. If you join her Facebook page, she's very chatty, very friendly, and you can reach out to me through her. That's the best way. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you. I'm still with David Leach, because <laughs> I got his name right this time. Um, yeah, thank you. And, uh, and then he started talking about the fact that he's been to San Diego Comic-Con, so I wanted to capture it on mic, so here we go. All right, so San Diego, first time I've ever been, was the most amazing convention of my life. I was there for a whole week, so we arrived on Monday. I work for Titan Comics, so we arrived on Monday, put our table up, which is 40 foot long, and we started selling on Wednesday night. And it goes from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah. So it's really amazing. So LFCC is big. You could fit LFCC into a quarter of the size of the convention hall. You're talking about a footfall of about 30,000 people every single day. Yeah. It was staggering. 
it would take you 15 minutes to walk from one end of the hall to the other. That's how big it is. And the whole city goes comic crazy. So, and it's not like in the UK where they always make jokes about, oh, when will comics grow up? And they always do Biff, pow, zap, pow. None of that in San Diego. They're all completely committed to comics. It's wonderful. The whole atmosphere is just, is just so comic immersive. Everywhere you go, it's all about the Comic-Con. And it's just amazing. It's just, it was, I, I was there for a week, really hard work, but I loved every single second. There's not a single bad thing I took away from it. Yeah. Oh, that's great because, you know, obviously it'd be my dream to go to San Diego one day. Yeah. I mean, I, I've worked in comics for 33 years, first time I've ever been, and uh, I'm hoping to go back next year. Yeah. Oh, well, fantastic. Well, hope that happens. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> nice, to you. Yeah. nice to talk to you too, and I'm going to go this time. <laughs> Bye. Hi, listeners. Bye. Bye. Um, hi there. Uh, my name is Taz. I uh, run Wire and Clay. Uh, essentially, it's a sculpting. I sculpt uh, monsters, creatures, skulls, masks. Uh, I also mold them, cast them, paint them. I essentially love work it seems and making my life as difficult as possible by doing everything myself but I love it uh, especially the sculpting part yeah it's absolutely incredible because I was literally just I was just saying to yourself but I was just literally walking past and I was like I have to stop because I saw the zombies I saw the um, the masks and look absolutely amazing so you did this all yourself that's incredible uh, yeah um, I try I've got a full-time job as an animator but I uh, I spend uh, two uh, two days a week essentially weekends sculpting away trying to transition from a hobby into a full-time career it's always very tricky but uh, this is why I come to conventions I do exhibitions to keep me motivated to keep pushing my art form and uh, yeah I'm loving it loving it it's great to be here and it's great to have so many people around here to, that appreciate art yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, obviously, you touched upon the fact that you do animations. What kind of animations do you do? Like, um, I've just finished a stop motion uh, animation uh, about uh, a ten minute short, which is uh, fantastic. I can't tell anything about it. Oh, go on. No, I, I really can't. But I also do motion graphics for advertising uh, and corporate work, which is pretty boring. Uh, but uh, this is why I have to break out and uh, do something away from the computer, get your hands dirty, grab some clay, form it uh, and have a product by the end of the session. Yeah, which is obviously amazing. So, um, and also, where can people? Because I can see, I can feel people like encroaching behind me. So I don't want to take up too much more of your time. But um, uh, where can people find you on social media, website, things like that? Um, I'm uh, mostly on Instagram. Uh, well, uh, to be fair, I'm transitioning completely on Instagram. It's Wire and Clay, uh, and uh, the icon is of one of my masks, which is a demon wolf. Okay, fantastic. Well, everyone needs to go and check him out. <laughs> Hi there, my name's Darren Thew. Uh, I'm here with Wick Central, uh, displaying some of my Lego Technic vehicles. Uh, I have here Ecto-1, uh, the DeLorean from Back to the Future, and some may not know him, but Knight Rider. Yeah, yeah, I imagine that most people do know that one. But yeah, I definitely came across because of the DeLorean. So, And how long did it take you to make all of these? Uh, these take about a year each. Um, I sort of start around sort of Christmas time when it's quiet. There's not so much to do and I don't go out so much. Yeah. And then uh, I just sort of have an idea and just start building and then uh, and once I've got the rolling chassis and I still start building up from there until I'm happy um, most of the time it's trial and error building a bit take it apart and build it again until you're happy yeah so is that how you design them then or is it yeah, yeah I don't actually have any designs don't use any sort of 
computers or drawings or anything. I just sort of look at pictures on the internet of the actual vehicles and try and reproduce them as best I can. Oh, it's very well done. Yeah, you've done a very good job. Thank you very much. And um, also, have you got any like social media or have you got a website or anything like that that you can promote? Uh, well, the, all my pictures are on my Flickr site. So it's uh, T-H-E-W-D-A-R-R-E-N. Uh, just search for that on Flickr and uh, all the pictures are in more detail on there. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you very much. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you. Oh, well, hello there. My name's Anna and this is my husband, Andy. Hello. <laughs> and this is my friend. Hi, I'm Yasmin. You've come as the Adams family. We, we have, have indeed, yes. We have, yeah. And 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 thing, we have thing here, which um, you might be able to hear him. Just about. Thing is very unnerving when you actually see. He scurries along the floor and scares small children. It's great. Now I'm going to take a, a, a wild guess because Christina Ricci is here. Have you had a chance to have any pictures or anything? Yes, yes. This afternoon we've got one, so we're looking forward to that. We always try and do a group photo each year of something crazy, so uh, this, this is the chosen one for this year. And what made you pick this one particularly for this year? Is it because Christina Ricci was here? Yeah. yeah. That was the influence. And what... Do you, you, from the, I'm going to guess you've done this before, yeah? You were saying Just a bit. I own a fancy dress shop. <laughs> so when it comes to costumes obviously it's Adam's family this time who who else have you come as who else have you dressed up as for events well, last year we were Blackadder we were Queenie Blackadder Bob and our son was Baldrick um, I'm usually Wonder Woman this one's usually Thor or, or Wolverine Wolverine one. or Conan the Barbarian and um, do you have like a website or anything that can be followed on well at Fancy Pants Emporium is our shop and with regard to the costumes, what for anyone who wants to do this, what would you say is the most difficult thing? What advice would you give to anybody? I'll ask you that one. Don't leave the wig to the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> and make sure your hair gel hasn't gone off. Yes. Planning. <laughs> planning. Planning, planning, lots, planning. Lots of planning. And also, if you're, if you're building or making a costume yourself, one of the most important things to work out is, are you going to be able to go to the toilet wearing it? Yes. That's... <laughs> That's what I always work yeah. out first. Always check that. Practicalities, because it looks brilliant on the films, on screen, but it's so much of it is CGI'd when you do it for real. <laughs> you need to uh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for having a, a quick chat with me, uh, and I hope you have a really nice day. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, my name is Susanna. I'm here at London Film and Comic Con, dressed up as Belle from Once Upon a Time. I come from Holland, and I came especially to London for this. Because, uh, yeah, we just wanted to see how big it was, meet some actors and have fun and go shop some merchandise over here, really. So we're having a lot of fun. That's brilliant. And obviously you've come all the way over here to come to this event. What has been the highlight of the event for you? Uh, meeting Robert Carlyle is probably the high point because, yeah, we never thought we would actually meet him. And he was here. So, yeah, that was amazing. And he's so, so sweet. So with regard to costumes, do you ever dress as anybody else? Do you have any other characters you dress up as? Yes, I do a lot of cosplays. Um, most of my cosplays are actually Disney princesses, but I also cosplay from Game of Thrones and Once Upon a Time. And do you have like a, a Twitter or website or anything that my listeners could, could look at? Um, yes, I do. I have Facebook and I have Instagram, and you can find me at Lily Cosplay. And if you could give any advice to anybody who wants to do the same sort of thing, cosplaying, what would it be? If you want to go cosplay, 
just do it really don't let anything stop you it's a lot of fun and it's just to show your love for a character so it doesn't matter if you look like the character or not just do it and show your love brilliant well thank you so much and thank you for coming to this putting all the effort to come to this and i hope you have a really nice time thank you thank you so much and have a great day hi there i'm brian i'm dressed as cinderella today but from the live action version this is lily james dress and uh yeah this is not my normal i'm normally uh airport security now so it's a it's a very big change from uh from my day-to-day bit of a bit of a day yeah um i'm frankie i'm dressed as the cartoon version of Belle, and this is a bit too normal for me because i used to be a school librarian (laughs) i now work in retail but this is just a normal day for me in full costume and what would you both say is the most challenging thing of wearing these costumes? Um, breathing. You say inability to breathe. What are you doing then? Breathing is definitely the hardest part. I think. Uh, yes, it's a little bit. I tried to lift my arms before to do a, a spin with someone. I did a dance, and they, it doesn't go any higher than this. I don't know how princesses dance at balls. It's it's not a thing you can do. <laughs> oh, keeping your dress in 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 the same area <laughs> we don't fit through doors I can barely fit in the lift and people stepping on dresses even though they're very apologetic you kind of go f- flying forward when people step on them that's going to hurt so how many of these conventions have you done before? oh I've done at least three a year for the past four years probably pretty similar I do um, four or five a year for the last five or six years now I got the idea from you yeah. <laughs> and what do you, uh, you obviously, what advice could you give to someone who wants to go into doing cosplay, and particularly doing the sort of costuming you were doing? Um, don't feel too pressured to make everything perfect. Go with what you feel comfortable. Um, drink water if you're wearing wigs or dresses. Um, and enjoy it. Be whatever character you want to be. It's fun. I'd, uh, I'd say, yeah, definitely just be yourself with it. Go as cheap, go as expensive as you want with it. Just whatever feels comfortable in that. Don't be ashamed of buying cosplay. I know a lot of people who buy and a lot of people who make. And it's, yeah, it's more about enjoying the character. Just do something you like, even if nobody's going to recognise you. It just feels good to be a different character for a little while. Different version of yourself. Yeah. (laughs) And have you got any future events planned that you're going to? Is there any websites we can, my listeners can... uh, or our listeners can, can go on to learn more about what you're doing? Oh, I might be heading to one in Blackpool. I don't know. I might do the October one, if, if I can afford it. <laughs> um, I've got Manchester MCM tomorrow, London wow. MCM. Wow. I've, I'm a small goddaughter who I should give a shout-out to, little Mimi, um, who I'm taking to her first big convention in London in October. So she's going to be very excited. And... Uh, if I can plug it, I've got my own tiny, tiny little event. It's uh, anime and manga focus. It's called Manga Bazaar, and it's Manchester-based. Okay, well, thank you very much. Hope you have a really, really nice day, and it's been great talking to you. Thank you. Thank you.